This is the weekly sermon of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote on November 12, 2017, the 22nd Sunday after Trinity, and focuses on Matthew 18 and forgiveness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to you today, not just in the singing of our praises, but we open up our whole lives to you as you speak to us through your holy word. Breathe on us now, O Lord, with the spirit of your truth, that as we join together to consider Jesus' discussion and parable about forgiveness, we might, by the power of your spirit, be able to live out that which we learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. This morning we'll be jumping into that passage that we heard read for our gospel lesson. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible apps, then let's get them open to Matthew chapter 18, and in particular verses 21 to 35. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. And it's here where we find Peter asking Jesus the question of, how often shall I forgive my brother? And Peter's question is actually based on that which Jesus said just prior to this. It's perhaps the most go-to section in all of the Bible for disagreements in the church. Jesus tells them and lays out for them a method of dealing with problems in the church. He says first that if you have a disagreement with someone in the church, that you are to go and to talk to that person privately, and that the two of you should try to work it out individually. No need to involve others. No need to make it a big scene. No need to get people, quote, on your side. Just the two of you with the hopes that it can be resolved. But if that doesn't work, then you are to bring in a couple of witnesses to help try and to deal with it. And yet if that still doesn't work, it's at this point that you are to go to the authority of the church. And finally, if the person isn't willing to listen to the authority of the church, then they are to be as though they are an outsider. Now, I'm not going to preach on biblical conflict resolution this morning, but I will offer this as a side note, which we learn from our Savior. The very first question that ought to be asked when you have a problem with someone in the church is this. Did you talk to the person about it? And if the answer to that question is no, then there's no sense in going any further. Neither is there any precedence for going any further. The truth is, is that if you're not willing to go to that person and talk to them first, and you only want to go to someone else about it, then you aren't really looking to solve the problem. What you're really wanting to do is to complain about the problem. Jesus is specific. If you want to resolve the issue, go first to the person in private and talk to them. Now, that side note being offered, let's return to the passage we read for our gospel lesson and our main points for this morning. After Jesus talks about resolving things with a brother, as I just went over, Peter is quick to ask a question. In verse 21 of chapter 18, Peter says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? And then Peter even offers an amount as an answer for Jesus. He says, seven times. That question of how often is a quantifiable question. 
It's a question that helps us define exactly what we must do according to some sort of measurable standard. As one person wrote, Peter's approach is statistical, not spiritual. And you can see Peter's thought process, and I say that because it's a lot like our own thought process. Jesus says, forgive. And Peter says, okay, great, that's awesome. But then comes some clarification, some boundaries, some more definition. Well, Lord, just how much is enough before I finally get to say no to my brother, though? It's sort of the same mentality that we have as, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Any self-respecting person knows that there has to be a limit. And there has to be some sort of recourse to stop us from becoming a doormat. How many times do I need to forgive my brother before I get to say, enough is enough. I don't forgive you anymore. And Peter asks, is seven times enough? But what we discover from Jesus is that the things of God, especially the aspects that include expressions of mercy or grace and love and, yes, even forgiveness, it's not a quantity issue, but more of a quality issue. They're not about counting. They're about character, all stemming from the character of who God is and what God has done. After Peter asks how many times he should forgive someone, Jesus tells a parable about indebtedness and forgiveness. Look at verse 23 if you have your Bibles open. Jesus begins this parable by saying, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, when we see those words, the kingdom of heaven is like, that's our clue that we should be interpreting this in a certain way. We must approach it with an understanding that this will teach us about the work of God in the world through Jesus Christ. That is the first and foremost interpretation of a kingdom parable. The work of God in the world through Jesus Christ. So what we're about to hear in this parable about forgiveness is something about God's forgiveness, which of course comes through Jesus Christ. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Who is the king? God. And who do you think are the servants? Well, mankind. And what we discover in this parable is that the debt that the servants owe, or this this particular servant owes, is way beyond that which he can pay. Look at verse 24. And when he begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him how much? 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Now, we don't have talents in our monetary system anymore, at least. So let me tell you approximately how much money that is. According to one source that I researched, A talent was about 6,000 denarii. A denarii was worth a single day's wage. So a talent would be approximately 6,000 days worth of wages. That's about 16 years working every single day. And that's for a single talent. So this man in the parable is in debt. How much? 10,000 talents. 
So you ready for the math? That would come out to be 60 million days worth of wages. And since I'm such the mathematician, I couldn't help but to take it further. If the average worker today makes $100 per day, and that's just assuming 11 or $12 an hour, which I think most of us make more than that, that would be at least $6 billion. That's how much this one person owed the king. Only the likes of Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or some of the other of the world's richest people could afford to pay a debt like that. For the rest of us, it would take approximately 160,000 years to pay that debt. The point, of course, that Jesus is making is that this debt was insurmountable. And as I thought about this parable in preparation... I couldn't help but ask, how in the world would or could someone get into that kind of debt? And I think the answer is that it was debt upon debt upon debt upon debt. And it added up quickly. I mean, any one of us with credit cards knows how easy it is to run into things like that and to run them up. You charge something, and then you pay interest on it. And then they increase the limit, and you just charge more. So you pay a whole bunch of money each month towards it, but then you realize that what you're paying is really just paying the interest. And as you go about your daily life, you're becoming more and more and more indebted. Until finally you realize that you can't afford to pay that credit card anymore. The reality is you blink and you're a slave to a credit card company. You're indebted. You become a prisoner to debt. Now, isn't that the case with this man? And isn't that the case of Jesus' meaning by this? Remember, though, that this is not about money owed to a king. This is in response to Peter's question about forgiveness. So this is about the debt of wrongs. This is about the debt of trespasses. This is about the debt of a man's sin against God. Friends, our debt to God is so great that we cannot pay that debt. And it doesn't matter what the sin is. Any unrighteousness, any sin accumulates and compounds. And the more that we live under the weight of that sin, under the weight of its guilt and its punishment, the more we realize that there is no hope for us. But thankfully, and this is what the gospel is all about, our God is a merciful God. Through the graciousness of our king, we are freed from that debt. When that servant was called to make his account even, to make it right, he couldn't do it. And all he could do was rely on the hope that the king would be merciful. He could only turn to the mercy of the king. And when we look at the interplay here, we find something interesting. Look at verse 26 and what the servant says. Matthew 18, verse 26. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. What does the servant ask for? The patience of the king. And what does the servant expect to do? The servant still expects to pay the debt. I will pay you all, he says. Now, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> but alas, that's what Jesus says this guy says. But then Jesus goes on, and Jesus tells us about the king's response to the man. 
And here's the interesting part, because the king is going to go well beyond this man's plea. What does verse 27 say? And how does the king respond? Then the master of that servant was moved with what? Compassion. And he did what? He released him. He didn't throw him into prison. But that's not all. He wasn't simply moved for the man's situation, and he didn't simply avoid throwing him into prison, but he went so far as to what? Look at the end of verse 27. And forgave him the debt. The king did what? Forgave him the debt. The king didn't just have patience like the man asked. The king didn't just not punish him. The king did what? Forgave him the debt. The king forgave $6 billion, if that's an accurate translation. He wiped the slate clean. He erased the accounting ledger, so to speak. Zero dollars owed. So not only was the man not punished, but he was set free. While our debt of sin is so great, beyond even the measurement of $6 billion, we not only have a patient God, but we have a forgiving God. So let me say these words. God forgives you. God forgives you. When you repent and you ask for his mercy from your heart like the servant did here, God forgives you. It doesn't matter the wrong. It doesn't matter what that skeleton is in your closet. Because guess what? God sees into your closet. Other people may not be able to open that door and see those secret things, but God certainly can. I mean, there's no hiding this stuff from God. God knows the hoarding of your sins that you have in your closet. God knows how much I have stored up in mine. But when you confess and we kneel before him, and when you rely solely on the mercy and the kindness of God in Jesus Christ... God forgives you. And he doesn't just free you from the punishment. He frees you from the eternal debt that is owed. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the good news in your life? I mean, so many people walk around feeling so guilty. So many people live in such a a worry about what they have done. So many people feel like they can't possibly be important to God because they haven't made God important in their life. And they struggle to try and find a way to get back to God, but they don't know how because they don't understand the true forgiving nature of God. And I get that because these things are true statements and feelings. I mean, let's not lie about that. Let's not kid ourselves about that. Based on ourselves, based on what we have done, based on how we've screwed up, based on how we've treated God in our lives, based on how we've treated others in our life. There is no hope. There's no hope in ourselves. As we confess in the prayer book confession, there is no health in us. But that's okay. I mean, it's not okay to stay that way and abuse God's grace. Paul tells us that. I mean that it's okay to put those things aside because of Christ. There's forgiveness with Jesus. There's a freedom with Jesus. There's a freedom that says, I can forget the past. 
I can put those things behind me. I don't have to live with that guilt. I don't have to live with the fear of going to hell. I can also be rest assured that God has freed me from it and has empowered me to live for him now. I can be free to be who God created me to be and to serve him in all that I do. But beloved, that last statement leads us into the flip side of this coin. And there is a flip side to this parable with that. And I'm not going to read that whole part of the passage again. But Jesus tells us that this same servant, after having been forgiven by the king, goes and finds another servant who owed him money. Look at verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And what did he do? And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. Now notice the difference. This guy owed the man how much? hundred denarii. That's only 100 days worth of wages. By the same calculation I used before, that would be about $100 a day for 100 days, which is about 10 grand. And I'd place a pretty good bet that most of us whether it be in a mortgage or credit cards, has that amount of debt already. And that amount of debt is certainly more manageable than $6 billion. So this guy, he wants his ten grand. But notice also how he treats the guy. He lays hands on him. He doesn't just call the guy up and say, hey, it's time to settle up on our account. This guy's all mafioso on him. He assaults the man physically, He seizes him physically, and he does what? He takes him by the throat, choking the very life from him, instilling fear in him, and demanding that he be paid. So let's compare this. We go from a king, from God, who is moved with what? Compassion. Who does what physically with the man that came to him? Releasing him. And then he does what financially with the debt? Forgives him. And now the same servant goes out, seizes the man by the throat, demands payment of a much smaller debt, and throws the guy into prison without any regard for mercy. I mean, now that's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? And the king feels the same way when he hears of it. Look at verse 32. Then his master... After he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And that's our Savior's teaching today. That's Jesus' teaching to Peter and his question. And that's Jesus' words to us each and every day. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, Every one of us says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Forgiveness is a tough thing. There's no doubt about that. Canceling the debt of another, writing off the wounds which, which they have hurt and scarred us, that's difficult. If anything, forgiving someone else can actually feel like it would hurt us even more. And that's when we need to turn to these words of Jesus. Jesus teaches us that this is what God has done in your life. 
You're near and dear to God. Why? Because God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. And that's actually the source for us forgiving others. God's forgiveness is not simply an example or a command for us to forgive. It is actually the source for us to forgive. When we truly embrace that great gift of God's forgiveness, it becomes the motivation and the source from which we are able to forgive another. We forgive those who trespass against us out of the great and plentiful forgiveness that we have received from God. Peter asked, how many times should we forgive our brother? Seven times? And Jesus' parable doesn't actually answer how many times. Jesus defines the godly character and the godly basis for forgiveness. In essence, Jesus says to Peter, you should forgive just as your Father in heaven has forgiven you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray to you today knowing that you are the merciful King who has freed us from a debt that we can never pay. Our sin is too great and the means we have to pay it back will never be enough. But yet in your mercy and out of your love, you have chosen to send your Son, Jesus Christ, to free us from all sin. Thank you, Lord, for such a wonderful gift. Thank you for showing us such mercy. Thank you for loving us so much even though we do not deserve it. We ask, Lord, that you would continually open our hearts to the truth of your forgiveness. And we ask that we might both embrace and embody the teaching of Jesus' parable today. That as you have forgiven us so great a debt, we too might forgive our debtors. In his name we pray. Amen.